As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Like a man dragging himself through what is the postseason desert of the NFL, one outstretched hand reaching beyond the other toward the hazy mirage on the horizon, we find respite in the oasis known as the NFL Combine, which gets underway today. It's February 27th, 2023. So we have a little, some uh, news to talk about. We do. Is I'm dreaming of nothing but fat guys. And we're going to get to see those fat guys in spandex soon at the NFL Combine. And hopefully some of those fat guys are good at football. And hopefully the Steelers draft them, given the fact that all of my days are now consumed with images of these dudes and images of Eric Weidel. And I honestly can't pull up his face in my mind. But I do know that he helped build the Philadelphia Eagles, who have gone to two Super Bowls in five years, basically completely based off their trench game. And I'm hoping that he brings that to the Steelers. Every episode, I'm repeating, hey, Kenny looks like he might be a dude. He's not Mahomes, though. But guess what? The Philadelphia Eagles just laid the blueprint for the Steelers with Hurts. And, hey, you got a really good quarterback who's an awesome leader and can make off-schedule plays. And you just get a bunch of awesome fat guys. So I know we have news about personnel switches and coaching switches, but that's what I'm the most excited about, Dad. I need more beef in the trenches in Pittsburgh. All right. Well, the combine is taking place as it normally does in Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Colts, from February 27th to March 6th. And of the 319 prospects, 51 are the aforementioned fat boys. We need them. We need them in there. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum, why that needs to be the move for the Steelers. I know they're cornerbacks in play, and we've talked about this for, for uh, quite some time uh, in terms of, hey, you got three draft picks in the top 50. That's unbelievable. Don't know the last time that's happened for the Steelers. It has to be at least 20 years, right? 89? Yeah. 30 years-ish. Not a math guy. Um, 33 years? I could be so, wrong. So that's huge. Steelers can't trade any of those because the Steelers have a lot of needs. But I was talking to Cousin P. Butch yesterday on the phone with, uh, with our tri-weekly football chats, and I was saying I think the Steelers, they remind me a little bit of the Buccaneers before Tom Brady got there in terms of the Steelers are kind of a boring team for the league, living around 500, but a lot of the league I don't think think realizes or a lot of the fans don't realize how many blue chippers the Steelers have who are in their prime especially you know Cam Hayward a lot revolves around him because the Steelers have 
basically no usable, consistent defensive lineman outside of him, so he masks a lot, and thus the window's open now. But for a team that has so many blue chippers, you got arguably the best edge rush tandem. You got the best safety, arguably the best safety tandem. Um, you got two really dynamic wide receivers. You got a super dynamic tight end. You got a running back who looks like he's turned out to be the real deal. You have a lot of big-time guys, but even with that, they have so many holes, particularly on both lines, and then you can get to the what I would consider sort of luxury positions in this moment of inside linebacker and, and corner, and obviously those are critical. I just think the lines are, are really important. So with those three picks in the first 50, they cannot trade any of them because we need a lot of guys, or at least you know lose any of them. So it'll be cool um, with the combine starting to be able to put some names up on the board in particular for the Steelers and start to hear some of the rumors of who's going to go where and, and when in the first and second rounds and, and actually put some names to these fat gentlemen. Well, I'm trying to quickly do my analysis. I did go back to 1989 and it was quite a disappointing <laughs> draft. Tom Ricketts, Carnell Lake, the one guy who's stuck in Derrick Hill. We had the 24th, 34th, and 61st pick in the draft. Where did Carnell Lake go to school? UCLA. Oh, UCLA. Wow, look at that. Steelers Tom Ricketts was from Pitt. Tommy, I need a little bit more. Okay, so we got those linemen, and they're gonna and they're gonna need uh, some trash cleaners behind them in the inside linebackers. We know what an issue that is. Obviously, Devin Bush seems destined to leave Pittsburgh. I think we can probably agree now. Devin Bush is probably the biggest bust in Pittsburgh, uh, surpassing Jarvis Jones and Artie Burns, at least in the last 20 years, the modern era, given the fact that the Steelers traded up to pick 10 for Devin Bush, and he's been pretty, he has not been good. I hate to say it. And it's tough because you root for the guy, and then you hear his interviews. And, and then it sort of feels like, well, maybe I'm not going to root for this guy. Maybe this guy has been the man his entire life, and he's completely delusional and won't take any responsibility for any of this whatsoever, especially like halfway through last season when he has an interview basically saying he doesn't care if he plays in Pittsburgh or not. And we're fans of the NFL. We understand that that's true. That's cool. But to be so bad at interviewing, to, to not realize that, hey, I can't say that in, in, in the interview. That's more what I have the problem with, not the fact that he thinks that his issues on the field are, are due to everyone else except for himself. I understand there are some delusional NFL players who think that way. And he doesn't realize he's scared of contact yet. Sometimes that's a hard thing to come to. I don't care about that as much as I'm like, okay, you can't take on a pulling blocker, but you can't even get the softball interview questions right. This is an issue. So he's not working out. Miles Jack passed his prime. Bobby Wagner, first ballot Hall of Famer, is on the open market. Steelers fans are obviously going to be clamoring for guys like him and Jalen Ramsey who are coming from the Rams. I don't see those as fits whatsoever. Bobby Wagner, he was still good last year, but he's at the very end. And I guess maybe, and in, 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 in same with Jalen Ramsey, he's not at the very end, but he's dipped from being the, the unquestioned number one corner to being a guy who we saw in the playoffs during the Super Bowl run quite a few times get abused deep. That, to me, you can't pay premium dollar for that. And I think both of those guys' personalities might actually help the Steelers. 
and their advanced age may not be as big of a problem as people think because I view the Steelers' Super Bowl window as being open for the next three years unless something drastic happens because I'm pretty much marrying it with the prime of T.J. Watt's career and the prime of Najee Harris. They spend a first-round pick on that guy. They're going to run the wheels off of him. Kenny Pickett being on a rookie contract and thus kind of bringing us back to that initial comment about me viewing the Steelers in a similar light to that Buccaneers team before Tom Brady got there. I think a window is very close to being open, and it'll. And a lot of people don't realize that. So maybe you could argue that Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey would be good fits, even with their advanced age. But it's too big of a swing for guys who aren't what they were, in my opinion. What would they cost? They, would they still know. command some? Real yeah, money? They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna be top of the market for their positions, especially since it would be coming off of... Uh, I don't know what their... Uh, I guess it's trades right now, but they both make good money. You were, uh, So we're talking about uh, middle linebackers, a little middle linebacker news. Jerry Olsofsky moves on from the Steelers and is replaced by former third pick, Aaron Curry. Third pick in the entire draft? No, that doesn't seem right, does it? He's a former player. I know that for sure. Again, when we talk about former players, this, that, who cares? There's so many good coaches that are not. I mean, well, this guy, this is a guy who, you know, paid dues. And so he's been around, he's been coaching for a long time. So he had first round. He's a fourth overall draft pick in 2009. Obviously didn't really pan out to matches lofty draft status but he's been in the co- he's been doing coaching and climb up the ladder for a few years so um just a little point of interest a little change in the Steelers coaching roster but Jerry's been around for 116 years I think nine years as a player here's the question was did his contract expire Jerry Oroslavsky Oroslavsky because know. Alex Kazora, who I think I mentioned in every episode, just because he's he's such a star Steelers reporter, man is a, is a living legend. But he mentioned recently um, on another podcast, damn, I forgot the name of what it was, but I checked it out. They were talking about Matt Canada and why he returned. And Alex pointed out, look, Matt Canada has a year left on his deal. And the Steelers are one of those teams that do not like to pay coaches to not coach. That is to say, they'll let coaches ride out their contracts, even if they're not doing that well, because that's their business model. We're not going to pay guys who are on the street. We're not going to open that can of worms. So I wonder if Jerry's contract had expired, because obviously you look at the results, it's been objectively horrific since Ryan Shazier left and, and you know Timmons before him. Yeah, I can't find anything about a contract that just didn't, uh, not bringing him back, but he's been with the team for 22 years. As I said, nine of those as a player, so he's been... Coaching for 13 years. Linebackers too, though, right? Once once Joey Porter was out, they sort of started splitting the duties, or was that more Keith Butler did it? It's sort of the Steelers' defensive coaching model is extremely opaque. Actually, their entire coaching model. I don't know who's calling the plays. We do. It's Matt Canada. So Nick, unfortunately, duty calls here. I know you can carry on with the rest of the show, short as it may be, and we will catch up again next week. All right, carry on, my wayward son. He says, "Sounds good." Very good. Bye-bye. Let me get back to this. The Steelers' entire coaching model is pretty opaque. I'm not sure where Terrell Austin, Brian Flores, now gone, obviously, Mike Tomlin, 
who who does what job on the Steelers defense is uh, pretty intentionally shrouded in mystery, and I don't really have a problem with that, but it would be more fun if we knew exactly what these dudes were doing because you'd have to say the staff has done a good job with the outside linebackers, a decent job over the past few years when you think about the eventual development of Bud Dupree, who was a very raw player coming in. So when he wasn't that great to begin his career, you can't pin that on the Steelers. He wasn't supposed to be a finished product. He was extremely raw. On top of that, he, I don't think he ever played with two biceps for his first three years. He always had one torn off the bone. So they, you know, did a good job developing Bud, and then they did a good job developing Alex Highsmith. And we know that's another position of need. Obviously, we're not talking about T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt is T.J. Watt, and we'll give them some credit for him too. But, you know, T.J. Watt's T.J. Watt. kind of is what he is. But... The only issue is the Steelers haven't had a legitimate third edge rusher in, in quite some time. Obviously, they had Melvin Ingram for a moment there, but that's a finished product, somebody who was already a Pro Bowl player by the time he got to the Steelers. So we do need to see them develop an outside linebacker. And that's just another example of a position. I see some of the Steelers draft Twitter guys just sort of fawning over, over-fixating on, in my opinion. Oh, we need a third edge rusher. Yeah, we do. We need a better number one corner, especially when you think about playing Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Amari Cooper and God knows who else in the division. Yeah, we do, but we need linemen more because if you get a great number one corner, and you got to remember the Darrell Rivas days are over, the primetime days are over when this number one corner is just going to absolutely shut guys out of a game. No one's ever going to shut Jamar Chase out of two games a year just with the way the rules work now. If you have that corner, you're sort of saying, all right, we're going to win a shootout with the Bengals. And you're not going to do that. The Steelers are doing a great job of moving towards an Eagles-type model where you are just going to bash people in the face, and then hopefully they add the element of big plays on offense. Because they, they're actually quite close to being able to run the ball in any team and convert some third down and shorts here and there, at least if it's the first drive of the game. But they need to add that big ball to the equation. That's how you run and play defense. It's, it's really run, play defense, and throw play-action bombs. And then defensively, the Steelers, I think they understand the modern NFL pretty well. It's about sacks and hurries that cause the quarterback to throw incompletions or throw to your team. And I know that part of that's the, the cornerbacks, but to me it really starts far more up front. And they have a lot of that equation already working for them. So we'll see what the Steelers do in the draft. I'm not saying they don't need uh, those positions like linebacker and corner. And if the draft falls right and there's just a corner who's an A-plus and the lineman of choice at that time is a, is a B-plus, yeah, take, take advantage of what you got there the way they did when they drafted Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round, even when they already had Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown on the team. They had Eli Rogers. They had a good roster. But they saw, hey, this deal is just too good for a player like of Juju's caliber, and we might need this player given the fact that Martavis has a really difficult time not being suspended. You know, they took advantage of the situation. And if that's what happens with the Steelers, with an inside backer or a corner, so be it. Just as long as you use two of those other three top 50 picks and probably a free agent signing on some big boys. So I'm curious to see what happens. Excited for the combine to start. We'll check in uh, with more info once that happens. 
Until next week, hit us up on Twitter, Steelers Outpost, SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until then, go Steelers.